0: Hello and welcome to the Three Things podcast. This week we have Danielle McVeigh, who is a former professional golfer and current business consultant. Danielle is going to tell us three things about life, golf, and the bits in between. Hi, Danielle. Hi, George. So, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: So, Danielle, um, living in Dublin here, been playing golf for about 15 years and for the last maybe five or six taken a different path into business learning coaching and development so um it's been a pretty roller coaster ride um but looking forward to discussing it
0: and uh, where are you from originally
1: from northern ireland um in the little foothills of the Mourne mountains so lovely and beautiful area
0: are there many golf courses around there
1: yeah we've got a fabulous one called royal county Down, formerly The number one in the world up until last year. So very fortunate to grow up on some uh, magical lands.
0: Yeah, Uh, it's been knocked off the number one spot.
1: By Augusta, I believe, but that's okay.
0: So uh, why did you first start playing golf?
1: Um, So golf would have been in our family quite a bit. My dad was a very good golfer. My oldest sister played quite a bit. She represented Ulster. So um, I seen probably a good level of golf seen enjoyment from it, and generally being outdoors. I just wanted to be outside doing things.
0: You started at a young age?
1: Started when I was about 11. Remember not liking it at all. Um, came back just one short year later um, and then loved it from there, so from about 12 onwards.
0: What, what do you think changed between 11 and 12?
1: Oh, I, I don't know what the, the switch was. I think I just was a bit more dedicated to it, played a little bit more, was a bit more patient. Um as a child, I wouldn't have been uh the most patient, so I think I learned a few skills around that stage, so yeah, that helped
0: so patience is one of the things that you took from from your golf
1: yeah absolutely yeah
0: and so uh let's move a few years later and uh and what what was it then that had you moving into kind of uh more professional uh taking it more seriously right? what was that transition
1: professional in golf mm-hmm so I think I was on a trajectory of just getting better every day. When I was at the golf course, I was so focused and I was on that natural kind of steep learning curve. Um, so I seen progression. I seen success, won a lot of tournaments. Um, so the night, na- the natural step was representing Ireland, representing Great Britain and Ireland and then turn professional ultimately. Um, and that was sort of the, the path I was on. So I, I kept going until I didn't want to anymore. <laughs>
0: And uh, w- was it like you had this intention from the start to to take that trajectory or was it something that sort of gradually developed?
1: Yeah, um, it's funny actually. Last week we were cleaning out my mother's old house and I see, I found an old diary and it had a goal in it that I want to be the number one in the world. So I think from a young age <laughs> I really had that aspiration to do so um, and luckily I had the support system around me to to help me I'll get as close to that as possible.
0: Um, So what was like the most surprising thing about um, professional golf for you? I
1: think how difficult it was um, and that it's not what you see on TV. So you go there, you have to organize everything yourself. Um, And I turned pro right at the sort of the start of the recession. So sponsorship was few and far between. Mm. And so you had to do a lot with very little. Um, so I think the traveling around, staying in sort of cheaper accommodation, cooking all your old meals, um, it's not as glamorous life, but it allowed me to, to be become really good friends with a few people. Um, and I've taken those friendships to today. So some good and some bad.
0: Yeah, so it was actually more about the kind of um, the life ar- around playing golf rather than actually time on the course.
1: Yeah, the standard we played golf at at an amateur level um, globally was, wasn't that far off what you'd need to be on tour. So when I was competing sort of number three in Europe, I was right up there. Um, but it's managing everything around it. It becomes uh, it's pretty difficult. And when you're standing over a putt that you know you need to hole or you're not going to afford heat and oil in the house the next week, um, it becomes a little trickier. Yeah,
0: well, um... Definitely, that's like an extra element that could throw you Mm -hmm. off at the high-pressure moments.
1: Yeah, and it's how you deal with those, being aware of them, but also being able to get up and get on with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that takes an incredible mindset and discipline.
0: And so, Danielle, what do you do now?
1: So I work for a great company called SNP, and we do leadership communications. So there's a very natural fit from golf and learning and coaching and development to what I do today. So I'm in the very fortunate position to work with great leaders um, who want to continue getting better.
0: Nice. And you take things that you that you learned in golf and you're bringing it to that business world?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's all about perspective and learning because um, we all screw up and make mistakes. But can you be aware of it faster than other people? And do you know what the next step is? Um, so I think if we take some of the the best leaders and the best developers in the world, um, they've just failed and failed and failed and eventually become successful. So um, so I think that's incredibly interesting and a really nice layover from sports and golf.
0: So um, you've brought in three things for us today. Uh, Can you tell us what your three things are?
1: People, awareness and learning.
0: Great. So people. Why did you choose people as your first thing?
1: So I think I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I didn't have the really good support system I have around me. So both that's friends, families, um, and then in the sporting world as well. So my coaches, I've been incredibly fortunate to be surrounded by some of the world's best golf coaches um, that have taken me from from a junior, sort of naive golfer to, um, to fairly mature and developed.
0: What's that relationship like between a, a golf coach and a player?
1: It's, it's a... Can be very difficult at times. Um, you're constantly both learning. So my first golf coach, um, he coached me for nine years, and he was learning as much as I was learning at the time. So I'm sure we made some poor decisions. We tried our best at the time, um, but it's I got some very difficult feedback at some stages. It, like if if uh, if my discipline or dedication was lacking some days. I think I got that message pretty quickly. Didn't happen too often, but been able to take that on board and actually um, probably re gear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was able to do that pretty quickly. But... I mean
0: the the obvious the obvious thing when we hear like sports coach, we think okay, so there's somebody standing on the course with you helping you helping you putt. But presumably, it's a lot more than that.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's a lot of it's before you actually play golf. Um, but my my golf coach he helped me tremendously outside of golf. Um I leaned on him quite a bit, especially through some of the ups and downs um that I think we'll we'll get into, especially around my father um and his passing so helping me deal with that and being able to focus on golf um because I think if you are in good form off the golf course, you'll be in better form on the golf course so um that certainly helped
0: and so who were some other people that were uh key people for you while you were um at the top of your golf game?
1: So my dad would have been the biggest inspiration. Got me into golf, took me to all of the competitions as a junior, um, traveled as much as he could with me, um, but he had his own own work, so and uh, five other children to look after. Um, so he would have been the biggest inspiration for sure. Um, and nowadays, um, there's a few different people in my life that I love spending time with, uh, and I think I've taken a lot of good friends from my days in golf um for the last 15 20 years so keeping that sort of close knit group of people around you um has been has been fundamental to me being where I'm at today and and been able to overcome some of those challenges
0: and uh, what are people like in the world of golf like what what um when you're at a competition, I mean, presumably you're, you're interacting with your competitors and like, what, what's the atmosphere like? How do people treat each other?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's, it is incredibly competitive. Um, you're essentially trying to beat everybody else. Um, so it can be quite a lonely place. Um, I'd find two good friends from Scotland and we traveled to all the tournaments together and we became really good friends. So Um, But at the end of the day, they're still trying to beat you and you're still trying to beat them. So I think if you can sort of keep the golf to the golf course and then just be good pals off it, um, I think that certainly helped us to manage.
0: Mm. It would be like switching modes almost.
1: Yeah, I think if you try and do your best and at the end of the day, if I beat them, great. And if they beat me, let's learn from it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, golf's a funny one. You can't win every single week. It's not like you're playing a football match or even tennis, like you're going to win maybe once or twice a year if you're lucky.
0: And so outside of golf, um, you had some fairly serious things going on in your life. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I think, um, well, my father passed away when I was about 21 after a very short illness, sort of six months from being perfectly healthy to passing away. Um, and he was super fit, super healthy, ate well, didn't drink, didn't smoke. So it was a massive shock to me and to the family. Um, and it came right... I was in the middle of college um, just sort of before I was turning professional. So it was a pretty pretty pivotal moment in my life for, that, for something like that to happen, sort of taking the feet from out from under you. Mm. Um, didn't have much time to prepare for that. So I really... <sighs> Um, knocked me for six for want of a better expression. I uh, tried to keep playing golf for a little bit um, but ultimately um, I sort of boxed away all of those emotions and feelings and dealing with it to see could I keep playing golf and, and ultimately that caught up on me um, resulting in uh, having to take a break from from golf and trying to find out uh, well learn a little bit more about myself and, and get me the help I needed at the time so yeah um, So it was pretty, uh, it's pretty pivotal now looking back um, and helping me to shape who I am today, Um, but very difficult to deal with at the time.
0: Mm. So you actually had to push that aside uh, with college and with uh, professional sports.
1: Yeah, so I was literally two weeks from doing uh, my end of year exams. So sort of uh, went back into study mode. It was actually a really good distraction. Did well in the exams and then went straight from there to probably one of the biggest competitions I've ever played in my life, the Curtis Cup, and that's Great Britain and Ireland against America. And everybody I played against that week is now, like most of them are on the tour doing really well, so it's sort of the the pinnacle of amateur golf. Mm. So again, that was a good distraction too, and I actually played really well. Um, <laughs> but I think that sort of took my mind off it, um, but it was sort of post that that I sort of really struggled
0: did people at the time know this was going on for you or was it something that you kind of kept to yourself?
1: No, well, a lot of people would have known my father passed away. Um, it's a pretty hard thing to, to hide. Um, but they wouldn't have known my struggles with it. I would have um, sort of put on a really brave face. Um, and I think a lot of people were surprised by that, but I wouldn't have been super open. Um, I would have said, look, I'm fine. Get on with it. Try and smile as much as I can. But ultimately, probably... Underneath, I was I was crumbling.
0: So what is the most important thing to you about your relationships?
1: Relationships. Um, I think that it's that vulnerability, been able to share. So I would have been sort of in the past trying to be that strength for somebody, not really wanting anybody to support me. But I think opening yourself up and allowing other people to do nice things for you or tell them when you've had a shit day or um, just generally be open and honest. Uh, it took me a long time to learn that. Um, I probably got hurt along the way at different points as well but um, I think I'm in a really good place at the moment just with myself and the people around me. and um, been able to be that comfortable, probably the best version of myself.
0: I suppose as well um, professional sports people are expected to have this like, incredible strength so how did you deal with that with this like dichotomy of uh the the perspective of strength and the uh the reality of your current situation
1: so i would have been very much of the opinion that showing any sort of weakness was not good for you um not necessarily that's how it brought up that was just my view of things i didn't really have an awareness of the negative impact of that um i literally brushed everything aside, the side, hit the gym, like did everything I was supposed to do um, just to get away out of my own head, um, to get away out of the thoughts. But I think if you look back to a lot of sports people um, and they're supposed to be the strongest in the community, um, having no fear, um, and you see that at the end of the day, we're all human. We all have the same emotions. Um, and when you try and switch off one emotion, be that fear, or loneliness, Scared, you actually shut off all of the rest of them as well. So you really struggle feeling that joy and happiness. Mm. And that's something I learned from Brene Brown, which is probably pretty helpful in changing my life.
0: So, uh, thing two awareness. What was your perspective on life when you were competing professionally?
1: I think when I turned professionally, it was all very exciting, and that was. The thing I was supposed to be doing. What do you think? Deep down, I knew I didn't really enjoy the life right from the start. Didn't enjoy the constant traveling, but not really getting to see where you're at. So I think I've been to something like 40 countries, but I've seen very few of them, experienced them.
0: Kind of through hotel rooms and that sort of thing?
1: Hotel, if you could afford a hotel. Right. <laughs> Usually some uh, B&B. Yeah. Uh, and then we go to the golf course and then you fly away to the next thing. I remember we like slept in airports to save a few quid, which was one of the worst decisions I've ever made. Um, life on tour was pretty grim for me personally. I'm not saying that's for everybody, but um, yeah, I don't think I enjoyed it. I didn't play very well, didn't create that sort of safe... Place for me,
0: and so if like if that was your experience, were there other players then that um, maybe were coming from a better sponsorship point of view, or like I mean, it seems like uh, you'd be at a, quite a big disadvantage if you stepped in an airport and then had to go play golf.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, like th- it takes a lot of different facets. So it's not just a money thing. It's like your headspace, your the people around you. Do you have that support network. I think that's the most important bit. It's changing slightly. Like women's golf is getting a lot more publicity than it ever did. So you have the likes of Leona Maguire who turned pro last year, who's got a really good uh, group around her, allowing her to to be the best golfer she can be, and that's amazing to see. So um, I think we're on the right track. Uh, for me personally, I had a good, I had one good sponsor, Whitby Seafoods. Um, And they really helped me out. Uh, So for me, I needed probably a little bit more than just money, um, which is probably where my dad would have came in. And I didn't really let anybody else (laughs) fill that spot. So it takes a lot of different um, things to get you comfortable when you're playing on tour.
0: Were you aware at that time uh, that you needed to do something about your mental health? Was it a shock when you discovered that?
1: Yeah, when I was on tour, I didn't realize, like I was not aware that that's not really how you should feel, like that sort of struggling to get out of bed. I think my, my golf coach put it in the best, sort of looking back. He said, I used to rock up for golf lessons at 7 a.m. and I'd be there for at least 30, 40 minutes before uh, practicing just because I loved it, wanted to be there, wanted to learn. And he said he noticed when I started rocking up at 5, 10 past 7, Um, He sort of knew there was something maybe not right. Um, And so he took me aside one day and said, like, look, what's going on? Um, And I said, actually, I do think and maybe need help. So he got me the support I needed.
0: Was there a moment then when you kind of, when you realized, when you gained some perspective?
1: Was there a moment I gained perspective? Um, I think having the initial um, conversations with the counsellors initially, I really didn't want to go. I went to a couple of different ones, didn't like them. And eventually found one I sort of did like um and got um she was able to help me sort of uncover. We started a lot around the the grief of losing my dad and stuff, um and the impact that was having. So um I think unpacking that and it took a while because this was sort of five years later, mm-hmm. um and it led on to a few other issues. Um but yeah, it was initially it was pretty difficult opening up to that
0: yeah i mean there's still a huge um almost taboo about getting help in ireland specifically Mm -hmm. in ireland um kind of feeding into this idea of like needing to be strong yeah so how did you overcome that
1: um i kept it very quiet to be honest i didn't tell anyone um i'd say two of my closest friends knew none of none of the rest of my friends none of my family i wouldn't even tell my family i was getting help for the same thing we were all going through. Um, yeah, I think that's how I coped with it. Um, I was scared that I didn't know myself enough how to deal with it. So been able to learn a little bit about myself and get a bit more confident and comfortable there. Um, knowing that there was probably a change from professional golf coming. Um, it was all sort of very in- unsecure. Like there was no security in my life really at that stage. so. Um looking back now, it's actually, it's incredible how difficult it was actually and how I came through it.
0: So tell me, what does the concept of mastery or perfection mean to you?
1: I've always wanted to be the best I can at something, like striving for excellence, not perfection, excellence. Um, at What's whatever. the difference? So perfection is the ultimate, like there's a point to get to and that is it and there's no nothing better beyond it. Um so I think we can always get better at everything. My, again, my golf coach asked me to, to rate one of my shots one day out of like from one to 10. And I said, nine. He was like, you hit that pretty perfect. And I was like, well, I can't give myself a 10 or else I have to go home here. So that's how I live my life. That's sort of the idea. I think there's a nice quote from St. Jerome of good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good is better and your best is better. Like, that's sort of how I lived my life. Not that I would have had that in my head every single day, but let's keep getting better. And I think I've taken that into, like, I still carry that with me every day, that sort of let's be the best version of myself. How can I continue to get better? So I think even on my laptop in work, I have mastery, autonomy, and purpose. So what are we doing that aligns to each of those. Um, And I think that's what gets me out of bed now.
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about that mastery, autonomy, and purpose?
1: So am I on my way to mastering something, like keep getting better? and um, I can see that progression. Autonomy is being able to make decisions for yourself. Um, so having some control over the outcome and the input you into every day. And then purpose, like why are we here, what are we doing? Um so if I'm working with good people, doing good things, helping the world to be a better place, even if only marginally. Um I think that's a that's pretty nice.
0: Do you feel like you have uh, autonomy now?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, I can decide if I want to get out of bed or not. Um, And in my day to day, I know if if I can make the decisions around how best, how to get the best out of myself. um, I think that's like if we were all fortunate to be in that position, I think it would it would be better. Now, it's not that ideal. Everybody can't do that. But um, autonomy, I think I've good autonomy in my life at the moment. Yeah.
0: What about when you were playing golf?
1: Um, when I was playing golf, did I have autonomy I did, yeah, yeah, did have autonomy, yeah, um, I didn't realize it at the time, or i what would I say um yeah, you had autonomy yeah
0: so when is when is self criticism too much do you think
1: I think I still suffer a little bit from this today, um like it's great to strive to be better, but sometimes you have to appreciate where you've come from. um, When is it too much when you can't see the good you're doing or how far you've come and all you can see is what you haven't done? I think that's not good for mental health yourself. It's not striving for excellence. It's um, sort of a state of sort of that anxiety. Yeah.
0: And were there were there any outside of counselling? Were there any other things that helped you gain awareness and perspective in your life?
1: Yeah, I've... um. My little niece has Down syndrome, and she's about two. And I think just thinking about her every day, um, and some of the issues, like she'd um, she had some heart issues, and she had leukemia and stuff as well. So she's had a pretty rough go of it. Um, And seeing her, and seeing how my sister and brother-in-law have come through that, um, it's given me massive perspective. If she can come in and smile every day, knowing what she's gone through, and her mother, my sister, she can get up and go to work. and still have a good perspective in life like that helps me immensely.
0: How did you actually make that decision to leave your professional golf career?
1: I remember the exact moment I decided it was um, I was playing this competition in Spain and I just didn't, didn't want to get out of the bed, did not want to go play, was not playing well, didn't want to practice, didn't want to go to the gym didn't want to do anything um and I just I remember thinking surely there's a better way to live my life here um it was pretty scary because that's all I've done but like I'd, I'd gotten a business degree so I knew I wouldn't be too lost but that um I decided maybe in December that was my last competition and I had to I actually met a couple of people who helped me try and figure out well what actually have I learned from golf and how can I translate that into business and it seems sort of easy looking back now but that was a massive massive change for me um I thought Do you know I'm gonna have to start again here I don't know anything um so it's really yeah it was really really scary um
0: I guess in a sense as well you're kind of you're living the dream so it's it's hard to um hard to uh, connect that with you know that you were really unhappy at the time.
1: Yeah, everybody thinks they want to be do mm-hmm. uh, like be a professional athlete. Um but my my view of it, or my experience of it wasn't that enjoyable. Um now for a lot of people it is, so I wouldn't diss it for anybody. I just knew I think what I'd learned and how developed, um, I developed I I had a pretty good idea I could be doing something more fun and be better at it.
0: What were the major changes when you left golf?
1: Um, Well, I had no money. Not that I earned a whole lot as a golfer (laughs) anyway, but um, just like financial things at home wouldn't have been super. Um, So I had to get a job and get a job quick. Um, Couldn't afford rent, couldn't afford heat and oil. So luckily a family friend um, let me rent um, in their house for a few months got a job at a fast-growing tech company. It's kind of like that idea of get on a rocket ship um, and just go for it. So that created a tremendous amount of opportunity for me personally. Um, I remember just even getting my first paycheck on the first time I was on holidays. That's like you were entitled to and you were getting paid for. Like it blew my mind. And it still does today. But um, like that that was an incredible change. Um,
0: Yeah. Do you like the world of business?
1: Yeah, I do like it, yeah. I think I meet like I meet some really interesting people on a daily basis. And the people I work with, they're always striving to be better as well. So I think there's a lot of personal development for me still. Um, I'm still miles away from where I'd like to be, but I think I'm on the right path. Um, and there's just there is a tremendous amount of change and learnings as well. So things we knew maybe 20 years ago, they're a little bit different today. So that's kind of exciting too.
0: All right, so let's, uh, that brings us on nicely to thing three, learning. So why did you choose learning as your final thing?
1: I've always wanted to learn and, and learn as much as possible. So if I can learn like, as, as much as possible on a daily basis, but the actual idea of learning why we learn, how we learn, what motivates us, and that comes from reading on the likes of Danny Kahneman Sam Harris, Jonathan Haidt. Um like it just I find it tremendously fascinating um why people learn what makes what makes you interested like what is your intellectual ability why we even choose like what are our behaviors um, i just i find that fascinating.
0: What's the most interesting thing you learned about your own pattern of learning?
1: I think i need to do things a few times. Um like I've been reading a lot of podcasts and they're really, really interesting, but I often have to read them twice or listen to them twice um, and then actually write a few notes down um, or try and get out and actually practice something. Um, I read a really interesting book by Michael Hebron, um, who's an actual, he's a golf coach, but he very much de- deals, or dives into the sort of the brain side of things Um so I find that pretty fascinating.
0: Um, what, what do you mean the brain side of things?
1: The brain side of things. I'll try and find what it's actually called. But um, yeah, is uh, Michael Hebron, his book is called Learning with the Brain in Mind. So it's not going out and um, doing repetition, like hitting a load of golf balls. Um, it's actually thinking about how best I can take in the information. Um, and if you're, if you learn by doing that's probably the best thing for you, but be able to also adapt and try different things. So listen, listen to other people, watch other people. Um, I think try as many things as possible and the information will get in some way. Um, I haven't read him for a while now, but I I just find things like that fascinating.
0: So, you know, learning and learning and uh, adding to your bag of information, is great. But um, how do you actually do that?
1: I try and pay attention to whatever I'm doing. So do it 100%. So whether that's listening to a podcast, listening to a conversation, or reading. The problem with me is my memory is just not like that great. So I have to read things a couple of times or and write down a load of notes. So I sort of stumble through it. Um, and hopefully it'll come back to me at some point when I need it but it's that sort of stumbling just pick it up and start um, and don't let the the fear of not remembering or not being smart enough or not being able to articulate it not letting that get in the way of actually just picking up something to start reading.
0: Would you say you're a perfectionist?
1: No I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist at all no um,
0: So when you say give something 100% what do you mean by that?
1: I mean give it your full attention so I've very much like one of the core things for me is being present Um, so whether I am going for a walk or staring at the stars like do that fully whatever you're doing, if you're having a meal do it 100% Um, so I try not to like, if I'm watching TV I'll do it 100% for like 10 minutes I won't be on my phone and watching four episodes of Netflix back to back or talking to somebody, if I have something to watch I'll watch it, if I have somebody to talk to I'll talk to them or listen to them um, or if I'm reading a book, I'll read the book.
0: Because we do live in an age where we're bombarded by information constantly.
1: So. Yeah, I'm not I'm not great with the social media or anything. And quite often I'll just turn off my phone, or leave it in the kitchen. Um, so you might be able to con- uh, contact me for a while, but that helps me sort of create that headspace and just be fully present with who I'm with.
0: So what's the most interesting thing that you're learning about right now?
1: I listened to an interesting podcast earlier this week by Srini Pulay and he talks about the focused and unfocused mind and actually that if you're you're walking along a straight road and you can take a meandering path, it actually really inspires and increases creativity. And I think that's well firstly that's fascinating. How like how do I become more creative? Um and it's probably something I would have naturally done in golf. I would have <laughs> been off the beaten path quite a bit. But how do I bring that into my day-to-day life now? Um, so if I'm walking, I'll actually see a little pathway that maybe has some daffodils on it. And I actually take that route. And I didn't really know why. So when I, when I listen to Srini Pillay talk about this, that's that's why it actually inspires that creative side of me. Um so I think learning about learning about some interesting things and being able to adapt it or apply it to maybe how I've made decisions in the past. I think that that's pretty interesting.
0: Sounds like you're um you're drawn to kind of subjects around the the relationship between the conscious and subconscious mm-hmm. mind.
1: Yeah. Um I suppose I am and I like I'm trying to learn how to articulate it and fully understand that it's not something I've Have full knowledge of yet Um, but it's that why do we do what we do how do we think of things Um, yeah I find that fascinating yeah
0: and as well I suppose it's a big part of sport like golf is this relationship between you know the the conscious mind as you're training and you're learning and you're competing Mm -hmm. and then this unconscious that you're training to take that swing just the right way with just the right amount of force
1: yeah absolutely so well in golf you had to sort of figure out how to switch off your mind because um, I think well I think we all get those thoughts in our head that maybe aren't ideal so it's how do we let them just pass how do you switch off our mind Um, it's taken me a long time to get to the place where I feel like I have control over my mind <laughs> Um and I probably don't all the time but like it it was helpful in golf but now looking back i think if i had the tools i had now and the ability to control my mind um, i probably would have done a bit better um but like even nowadays i still get those thoughts that i just have to let let it go like a train passing into the station <laughs> or just not pay attention to them
0: you know as well you can't you can't learn everything so where where do you start you know if you've got this hunger to learn and this joy of learning where do you start because there's so much there's so much out there to dive into that you know you could get lost in it
1: yeah of course yeah and that's that's a, one of the beauties as well um start learning what you actually are interested in um i think if you have a good understanding of yourself um, you'll be able to figure that out probably a little bit easier. But um, like we could go off and learn all of the books and read everything on the internet. Um, and I, does that make us a better person? Probably not. But um, if you can figure it yourself first, I would I would say, um, yeah, that'd be a good place.
0: What was the biggest lesson you learned from your golf game, from actual, actually playing golf? Never mind the stuff that was going on around it, but yeah. actually playing golf
1: the biggest thing i learned um it's pretty good i think that uh, that was probably good to learn um god i don't know it's so inconsistent i think is is one of the things looking back now that it sort of aligns with life like all of those inconsistencies like we can practice for hours and hours and hours but when you get to actually play golf you're literally hitting a shot you've never hit before in your life from somewhere you've never exactly been. Um, so that's, that's pretty fun.
0: What about the biggest lesson that you've learned outside of golf?
1: I think the importance of people around you um, and that you don't have to be that sort of strong, perfect, um, all-encompassing, know all, like knowing everything sort of person. Um, I think being able to be open, with the people around you, with yourself probably first, and then with the people around you, um, I think creates that tighter bond. And I think that connection is sort of, I don't want to say why we're here, but a great benefit of being on this planet.
0: What are you learning about today?
1: What am I learning about today? Um, I think I was listening to Eric Schmidt, who uh, was was the CEO. I don't know if he's still the CEO of Google. um, And he's talking about some of the processes and the impact he had at Google throughout all the years and he's actually talking quite a bit about a leadership coach called Bill Campbell. So I was listening to that on the way into work this morning and trying to implement some of that in probably my own life.
0: How have your goals changed over the years?
1: Goals is a funny one for me. Um, It's that idea of always trying to get to the next stage, like you're going through college trying to... Acer exams, trying to get to second year, we're always trying to get to the next level. Um, Goals for me can be somewhat limiting. Like if I set a goal to get to 100, well, could I have gotten to 120 if I didn't have it? So Mm. it's a good indication. It's good to have that direction. But I don't like to set like sort of strict targets. I think as long as I have a, a direction and some sort of checkpoints along the way to make sure I'm still on course, um, I think that's typically what I find most valuable.
0: Yeah, maybe as well, goals can take away from um, the now, hmm. the journey that we—that's the part that we should be enjoying, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I could my goal could be to get to world number one, but what happens when I get there? Do I fall off a cliff? How do I keep getting better? Um, so I think as long as, like, you know, I'm, I'm bringing a good attitude and intention. And the right behavior to each day, I think that's sort of where I would put goals.
0: you're coaching uh still um golf mm-hmm. uh do you wanna tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah so i'm um I am managing the Irish ladies golf team, so that allows me to you kind know, of oversee the the team and the and the girls growing um so I'm not actually playing myself, but it's more kind of selecting the team, getting them ready for the tournaments making sure they're in the best sort of mindset on the day of the tournament um and then being that support mechanism from them so keeps me really involved in golf without having to sort of put the hours in that I don't that I don't have at the moment um, and I get to see some fantastic golfers coming through Um, it's incredibly inspirational
0: who should we be watching out for Uh,
1: there's a couple of nice ones so Olivia Mahaffey she's from my club as well actually she just played at Augusta last week in the first women's tournament there ever and she's she's fantastic and a great person all around Um, we have there's another girl actually from my club as well Uh, she's only 14 so I'll not mention her name but um, like she hits the ball like probably 50 yards further than I ever did so so I look forward to seeing her develop too.
0: And uh, it must be nice as well to be in that position where you can be a support for people who maybe reflect who you were at that age.
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, like they're, I think they're probably better golfers than I were was at their age for sure. So they know how to play golf. So it's not about me teaching them that side of things. But hopefully, if they can pick up the odd bit of advice or something I say I try not to tell them too much either it's more being there listening listening getting some of the obstacles that they're feeling out of the way so they can just go and play Um, I think that's the role that I play
0: do you still play golf yourself
1: a little bit every kind of maybe few weeks once a month um, on a very average level but at a nice club with nice people um, surrounded by nice friends so it's a bit more enjoyable. Very much a fair weather golfer, though. None of this uh, rain, wind, <laughs> cold.
0: Fair. I guess. I suppose he probably had to take uh, take some time to like f- kind of find the joy in it again.
1: Yeah, he didn't play for two years after he finished playing professional golf.
0: Not um, even once.
1: I don't think. I really don't think he played once. No. Um, so that was a massive change what do I do with my day but I found it do you know I explored the social side of things in Dublin made some good friends um, probably partied a little bit um, which is something I never would have been able to do playing golf would have been very serious so um, travelled a bit went to Vietnam Japan um, and actually started seeing the world
0: so that was uh, that was your three things people awareness and learning Um Do you have any advice for somebody maybe today who's in sports or whatever else and is going through maybe some of the same things?
1: What advice do I have? Um, There's no silver bullet to make it all better, but I think if you can talk to some person, whether that be the, the pro in the golf club, the you're somebody in your family or just some random person i think there's a lot more support systems out there now um but i think take a deep breath maybe even get a piece of paper and write down all the good things that you do that you bring to the world and the people you impact in a positive way um sometimes i think we we can be quite hard on ourselves. so i think if you can take a second to realize the positive things you bring to the world i think that might might help
0: Thank you, Danielle.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: That was episode eight of three things. We talked about people, awareness and learning. Next week, we're talking to Derek Connolly, who's CEO of Common Purpose and is going to tell us three things about crossing boundaries in leadership. So thanks for listening and see you next week.